Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Yes, the Jingle Bell intro is back, which means it's our Christmas episode of the FYP podcast, episode 363, if you're counting, or as we're calling it after that Liverpool game, the nightmare before Christmas. (laughs) Uh, Only three of us on this week, uh, because funnily enough, a lot of the pod squad were suddenly unavailable after the Liverpool game. Which is interesting. Uh, so we have James Endicott. Hello to you. Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas to you as well. How are you doing? You not too right? bad. Yeah. Ju- Excellent. It, yeah. Not too bad. Yeah. yeah. Considering considering that we're in, just thank goodness we're not in tier seven. Indeed. Exactly. That would be weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> Got to find the positives in this situation. Yeah. Exactly. There we are. Um, and returning his de- on his debut, Palace won five one. So to bring him back down to earth, Palace have lost seven nil before his next appearance. It's Jack Pierce. Hello to you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Hello, JD. Yeah, uh, from the uh, the highs to the lows very quickly, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can make of this one. Yeah, we will. <laughs> we will indeed. I think people will just be fast forwarding through this one. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> lads, um, have you had a stressful weekend? Bit of stress. Oh uh, yeah, a little, little, little bit. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, do you know what? That's great timing because this week we're sponsored by Serenity Massage Therapy, a leading oh, palace-supporting massage clinic based in on the Red Hill Rygate borders in Surrey, just twelve minutes from Croydon. If you're suffering with soft tissue pains due to lockdown, posture, stress driving or exercise or palace losing 7-0 then the serenity <laughs> massage therapy are ideal for you as they are changing perception of massages through education while also not breaking the bank you'd mot and service your car and probably half the palace team but so why not your body as well call or text russ at serenity massage therapy on 07967 203 714 or email info at serenity services.co.uk and quote fyp to get up to 25 to get up to 25 percent off <laughs> For your friends and family. Uh, that's Serenity Massage Therapy, making the world a more comfortable place, one massage at a time. Um, so there we go. And does they always seem, the timing of their sponsorship always seems to be quite good, doesn't it? It always seems to be after a heavy palace defeat. So Yes, uh, can we stop stop using them for sponsorship, please? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know, it's a pretty obvious correlation there, JD. Um, <laughs> I you know I should, I should, probably the, the whole of the Palace team probably had a massage at half time. I mean I know we went in three 0 down at half time, but you know by all accounts we weren't that bad. And the commentary I was listening to was saying it was a weird, weird that we we're going in field down. But so they went in and had a massage, and they all came out all jelly, jellied. They and did then seem just all went wrong. Uh, they did seem a bit relaxed, didn't they? 
Just a little, yeah. We'll come on to that. We'll come on to that after. We'll come on to that. Well, there are other things to talk about. (laughs) No, after our drum roll for a random patron shout out, please. It's Mr. Tyler Helms. Oh, hi, Tyler. What a week to be chosen, Tyler. What a week. (laughs) Yeah, look at you, Tyler. Tyler's shout-out comes in association with the Venice Beach Farmer's Market, and that is a reference that literally 10 people will understand. Uh, and you can join our patron and get all the rewards that entails, like the post-match podcast, patron-only merch, access to the WhatsApp-only club for patrons at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Uh, right. As you right. can imagine, we've got a lot of questions this week, lads, which we'll save for part two. Um, but let's talk about... Well, two games, Jack, actually, because I think people are going to forget, or I certainly forgot, that actually since the last podcast, Palace have got a point away at West Ham, a one-all draw, and then obviously the Liverpool 7-0 defeat, uh, which we are going to have to talk about uh, a bit. That one-all draw, is that a fair result for you at the London Stadium? Yes. I think uh, if you'd offered me a point before that game, I'd have definitely taken it, given how well uh, West Ham have been playing recently. And I thought our performance warranted at least a point. Um, game did obviously change on the uh, the second yellow that, that, that Big Ben picked up. And that's um, a shame that he then went on to miss the uh, the Liverpool game afterwards. But I thought we were well worth the point. I thought our first half performance was was about as good as we could hope for in a you know, in that type of fixture, given the fixture congestion at the moment, I thought um, Townsend and Ward coming in both did really well, um, which just, you know, shows that Roy does have a squad to, to choose from now. Um, so I was really pleased. I thought Benteke was superb. I uh, thought he, uh, offering that beacon all the time up to, at the top of the pitch, which is a huge help to to any team, but um, you know, especially a team like Palace, who who are fairly res- resolute at the back, to you know, have somebody to take the ball and, uh, and 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 base from uh, is a real help, and he and he was real a real threat to to Ogbonna, who's looked one of the better centre halves in the Premier League so far this season. Um, he he caused him uh, anxiety all the time in that first half, and took his goal really well. And perhaps gave him a bit too much confidence when he tried that that neat flick rather than just crushing it in <laughs> yeah. for a second. But um, no, I thought we were really good, and and yeah, sadly the game from our perspective did change with the. Um, with the second yellow in that we, you know, just basically changed plan to, to hold on for the point rather than look for the, um, for the win. Um, albeit that we were, you know, already drawing at that point, um, courtesy of a, another unbelievable bicycle kick in the same penalty box that we, yeah. <laughs> uh, we had that from a few years ago. And I think West Ham fans would probably admit that, um, they weren't expecting it from Andy Carroll and they certainly weren't expecting it from <laughs> Sebastian Allaire last week. So, um, must be something about us in that penalty box, but, um, yeah, good performance and, and certainly happy to take, to take a point given the circumstances. I think I think it was Kevin on last week's pod who said something like Halle's not worth worrying about because he's yeah. he hasn't scored any goals. <laughs> so that one's on Kevin. Um got Kevin. Uh, with the uh, Enders with Benteke, yeah. before the red card, his performance up to then, it was a little bit like the ghost of Benteke past. It really was, yeah. Uh, it's literally the only Christmas pun I've got in the podcast. Um <laughs> Because he was excellent again, you know, well taken goal, similar to a goal he scored actually at London Stadium a couple of years ago. Yeah. Also, when we drew one all actually, um, and it's just that the red card. Oh, aside no, aside no. from being a ridiculous decision, and in fact, there was a game yeah. this weekend actually, or maybe the Spurs game or something, where a foul was given for the exact same thing in oh in the box. I can't remember in the box or something, and it was it was really similar, and the ref just. I think the ref either didn't give a foul or or just waved everyone away. And it was the exact same thing that Benteke did twice. I mean, it was 
it was so it was a ridiculous decision, so harsh, but also really unfair on a player who's done so well, who we know is yeah. a confidence player, oh, yeah. and, and you hope it hasn't. And as Jack said, we missed him big time against Liverpool. You hope it hasn't sort of knocked him off his stride because up until then, the West Brom game, and, and then he, he's been superb. Well, yeah, he's really come back to the player that we always wanted him to be and the player that he first was. And it's just a shame that after sort of two or three really great performances, a ridiculous, you know, two two yellows, and he's and he's not playing. And it is, you know, I hope he can carry on the form when he comes back. But, you know, it's going to be tough, you know. It, it'll be tougher because, you know, as we always say, the whole thing about football, it's all about confidence and it's all about momentum as well. Yeah. You know, and, and I, you know jumping forward a little bit you know we all thought we had a little bit of momentum going into the Liverpool game yes we would miss we would miss Benteke because of a, the the card but you would hope that the team would put in a good performance and a couple more games then Benteke comes back in and we just carry on this this great you know let's not forget it's a great start to the season yeah but unfortunately you know I've, I, I mean I really feel for Benteke you know I really do I mean it was a it's a ridiculous decision um but you know, I don't, you know, what could you say? I mean, it's just some some decisions that happen just drive you mad, and that was one of them. But I just really feel for him, uh, and I feel for the team because he was starting to become uh, such a great focal point. And as Jack was saying, he was playing really well, and it's it's a shame. It's a shame for him. And also, I think you know, it, I don't think I'd, I don't think you would have made much difference against Liverpool, to be honest. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, but he'd have had a point to prove against his former club, but, I, I, you know, I don't think anybody could have made a difference in that game, not even Messi and Ronaldo and Maradona and Pele and whoever else, Cruyff and whoever else you've got around. But anyway, what, whatever. We'll, 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 we'll move on to that. Yeah. Well, I, I just, well, yeah. Just, just one comment about the, the second yellow card is, you know, you could ask, could he be a bit smarter in knowing that the referee has kind of got this standard? And if he's booked him for something so soft in the first half, could he avoid any issue in the second half? But I really don't think you can tell a player whose game is so based upon, you know, that aerial contest to to not go up for balls like he did. And, and perhaps West Ham players knew that, you know, if the referee was to see any of them caught in the face, mm. then that might yeah. that might mean that, you know, the referee's going to have another word. But what surprised me is there was no kind of middle ground with the referee. It was two yellow cards for two fouls, basically. And... You know, as I said, perhaps Benteke could be a little bit cuter, but then we'd only be accusing them of not, you know, putting himself about like we need mm. him to. So he can't really win. He was clearly very disappointed. Roy was, you know, furious by Roy's standards. Um, you know, very much a, a bastion of the of the game, and never one to criticise a referee unless uh, unless he really feels the need to. And I think he felt disappointed that the referee hadn't managed the situation properly. And I, I'd probably agree with Roy that the situation by the referee, um, oh, sorry, that the situation could have been managed better by the referee. Um, and obviously that had an impact for the rest of that game. And then as you know, as we're talking, it, it did have a, an impact on on uh, on Saturday's game. But you know, overall, a, a pleasing result from uh, from the London Stadium, from my perspective. Yeah, and you you were right about some of the squad players coming in. Townsend looks so much better considering he's had a, an iffy couple of months really after a good start. Wardy, a great cross for the goal. You know, and again, yeah, every time cross. he comes in, he does a job for us. He's he's so reliable, Wardy, and. Um, never moans about not being out, and and actually now on the right we've got. Although I thought Kleine struggled against Liverpool. I mean, I mean, you know, everyone did really after a seven nil. But I think we've got two good options there. But the, the, just the last thing on the Benteke second yellow. What what is the other option apart from Benteke just doesn't jump? If he just doesn't jump for the ball, is that the only way to highlight to the referee? This, you're making ridiculous decisions here because now I can't do my job. I don't understand what a player does in that situation apart from just not. 
or jumps up and down with his arms by his side, which obviously wouldn't get him the leverage. It's it's madness. It is. I don't. I don't understand what. And you saw Benteke saying to the ref afterwards, like, "Do I just jump with my arms like this? Like, what? <laughs> what do I do?" Because I don't know. And, and we we were talking on the post match podcast about this, and and we were saying about referee consistency. Like, all we ever asked for was referees con- being consistent. But nine out of ten refs wouldn't give those as yellows or give that as a red card. So it's not even like that is just a a new rule thing or something across the board because most ref wouldn't get that. So I don't know if it's just unlucky that we have to, that ref gave that decision at that point. I, I don't know. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to sort of t- almost talk it out as I'm talking. Yeah, but it's <laughs> difficult, said, James, isn't it? To, to work it's out what's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's just a weird, a weird decision. And, a, and a, you know, there's a lot of weird decisions in football, which is why we do these things like called podcasts. And it's why we talk about them. It's why, you know, there's reasons. <laughs> it's why we're here because the weirdness of what we do. Um, you know, I think it's. I think overall, you know, just looking at it from a perspective, you know, look at that West Ham result, and as Jack said earlier on, it was a great result. We were on a bit of a run. We hadn't lost for three games. It was a good result against a good team. We were playing really well. Yeah. And I think you know we're talking about the rotation of the squad in previous pods, and 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 how the squad are looking forward, and we're looking better. We're looking at a proper good mid-table team maybe we could push him into the top third and it was all looking positive and I felt very happy after that result so I think most Palace fans would have been happy after that result you know and it's, but it's always hard to talk about that when something else happened as well <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to be positive when you know that looming in about a minute we're going to be talking about getting drubbed seven mil. and it's hard to show any sort of positivity at any light when you just put your head in your hands and just want to smack yourself around the face and just go I never want to have this again and if, and if at, at half time I just want to say this before we start talking about Liverpool game at half time the amount of my friends my supposed Liverpool supporting friends were texting me a message and all it said was Chris Stambourne <laughs> I'm not having it. I'm no. not having it because they just you know you knew damn well it wasn't going to happen. You knew you knew damn well because it just wasn't going to happen. Oh, I don't know. Sorry, sorry. You're the you're the boss of this pod, JD. Can you <laughs> can you steer it in the right direction, please? Well, I, I does does Jack uh, that run going into the fact we have been playing well. You know, it's not like when Frank was here. It's not like we're not like Sheffield United strug, you know, struggling for a win. We're on a good run. Great start to the season. Statistically, before the West Ham game, our best ever start to a season in the Premier League. Does that make the 7-0 almost more bizarre? Or do we simply chalk it up? When you look at the stats, Liverpool had seven shots on target. Scored seven <laughs> goals. And, and, and the goals were all unbelievably high quality. I mean, rarely after 7-0 do you come away saying the goalkeeper's not at fault for any of those goals. Do you simply chalk it up <laughs> as a freak result and move on? Rarely after a 7-0. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they happen so often. You know, those frequent 7-0s that we're always watching. Um, no, I, th- I felt it was... Um, I certainly didn't see us getting thumped. In fact, um, probably my closest Liverpool supporting mate. So I don't have many. I'm not the biggest fan of, of the Reds, I'll be honest. Uh, I come from Evertonian stock, so it's not allowed really. Um, but... He even said to me before the game, he felt the Palace game was going to be a tougher test for them than the Spurs game that they had midweek. Yeah. Um, you know, he uh, he he felt that. And to be honest, I felt that we'd give them a game. I certainly didn't see a thumping like that coming. But as you say, if you just assess the game without the scoreline, it's a different picture, really. All the goal, the only goal that I genuinely was a bit miffed at from, from our perspective was the first goal. I felt the first goal was far too easy at that at that stage of the game, they didn't do a lot really to cut us open. And 
Um, and as, as was pointed out by many Palace fans on uh, on Twitter, if you're a player and you need to break your duck uh, in terms of scoring a goal, <laughs> play Palace. And Minamino uh, certainly fit that bill. But I, I felt that the goals were high quality. Um, the killer goal was obviously, for me, the, the third one. Um, mm. That's a great goal. Uh, Robertson's impact from left back is is well known, but you can't really do much about that. And the finish from Firmino was was nonchalant, but but high high quality. And um, you know, as you said, this, the goals in the second half very good. Henderson's goal very good. Salah's goal very good. Um, the the goal deal. <laughs> in fact, all the goals in the second half were, were pretty either excellent goals or very well taken. But and, and all you need to do is look at the you know the much-loved XG, and I think Liverpool's XG was under three. So yeah, they've more than doubled what they should have scored in terms of the, the football science, as it were. So I'm not especially down about losing 7-0 because I don't really feel that that's a 7-0 every time we play that game. And that's without really talking about the good opportunities we had in terms of positions, at least, in the first half. If we put one of those away, it's a different game. I think... Um, I think even after the game, Klopp talked about the uh, the positions that we got in and the positive places that you know we had the ball and, and didn't do much. And I think he considered Liverpool fairly lucky to get away with some of those. So I am uh, you know not happy to lose seven 0 but equally, um, hopefully the the impact upon the, the squad from that result is is minimal and we we kind of pick up where we were and consider that just a, a one off and, and put it in the bin and move on. Yeah, because James, there's that chance for Ayu breaks into the box, sort of gets mm. behind Matip, and then tries to square to Wilf and puts it behind him. That's at one nil, I think. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if it gets that right, and Wilf's on form at the moment, if he gets that right, you assume Wilf smashed that home. That's one all, very different game. Yeah. And Jack's right. The third goal was so killer because actually we had responded really well to the first. No, it responded really goal. well. I mean, really well. I mean, we actually played not too bad in the first half. You know, we actually played pretty good. If I mean the. I was listening to it on the radio and at half time they were the commentator, the co-commentator were almost speechless. They were just like, we can't understand how <laughs> yeah. Palace are going in 3 0 down. You, you would think they said watching this game, goals aside, you would think that Palace were the ones higher up the league than Liverpool. You know, wow. I don't know how true that was, but you know, they just they they couldn't believe it. And there's the, the all the talk at halftime on the radio, because they've got to fill up, you know, it's not it's, it, it's not full of adverts, it's just all people talking. And they were just talking about how they couldn't believe that Palace were three 0 down and you know, and how important the, the the next goal would have been. You know, if, if Palace had come out all guns blazing and got one back within the first five, ten minutes of the second half, possibly it would have been a different different game. Um and I think it just really highlighted, you know, when you say that Liverpool had seven shots on on, on goal and got seven goals, um it just shows, it just proves once again that we just lack that sort of world class um, striker up front, which you know we're probably not, never going to get because we're Crystal Palace. You know, and you know when I say world class striker, I'm talking in the you know in the realms of a, a, a Firmino or a, yeah. a Salah. Um, and it's just um, you know, yes, if we'd have taken those chances, and it's just like if, if, if we should have taken those chances, Will should have taken it. You know, and he should, you know, we should have had th- those chances should have been put away. Um, and it would have been a different game. It just proves that, you know, where we are on the table. I think that looking at the 7-0, I think, you know, you got to, it is a bit of a freak result. They, you know, got to remember, they've had a result against them this season when they lost like 6-2. Yeah. You know, so it's like, 7-2, so it's like, you know, we, we can all sit here dis- despondent, but in reality, that may be just our worst, that could possibly be our worst game of the season over and done with in the same way that they just had 
a, a very similar result. I mean, I'm trying to put a positive spin on this. I don't think we should be too negative about it. I hope, I think that the impact on the players will not be as bad if it's been 7-0 as if it was, say, 2-1 or 3-1 and we'd lost in the last 10 minutes or something. I think the fact that we just got hammered in the second half might work in our favour. He well, says, not really knowing what he's talking well, about. Well, you said on the post-match pod, I said this on the post-match pod, and then Selzy and Dom backed it up, which makes me feel like it was probably quite a salient point then, if they're agreeing with me. People that actually know about football. Um, if two of the wise men are saying it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Rob, not, Rob, not so fussed about. But um, <laughs> but we, we, we moan on, we've moaned on this podcast a long time about having an ageing squad, an old squad. I mean, a lot of players are out of contract at the end of the, of the summer, and it's the oldest squad in the Premier League, etc. For moments like this, you actually probably do want an older squad or experienced squad because they've probably been through, maybe not a 7-0, <laughs> but they've probably yeah. been through games like this, disappointing games like this, and you would back an ageing squad, or a squad, let me be more fair, with older heads on their shoulders to respond in the correct manner to this than, say, a young squad full of teenagers and 21-year-olds who, by the nature of being younger, will react in a more you know extreme way. So... Mm. Hopefully, obviously, it's all going to hinge on the Villa game on Boxing Day, and you will know from the first minute how oh, Palace no. are going to react and if they react in the right way. And I, and I hope they do. But as you said as well, you put it in the context of this season. This is a mad season, and we've known that yeah. from the first couple of weeks. And there has been freak results. The Liverpool uh, uh, Villa Liverpool game was a freak result. Spurs put six past Man United at Old Trafford. Man United put six past Leeds yesterday at Old Trafford. We're yeah. going to see high scores this season, I think, just by the nature of the packed-in schedule um, and everything that comes with it. And teams losing, you know, Newcastle lost half their squad to COVID last week. You know, and so there, there's, there's weird things happening this season. And I think this Luke, is just an, another one of them. Well, Luca actually came out after the game and, and did talk about, you know, thankfully there's an experienced squad uh, that will hopefully be able to manage such a yeah. loss. And then he kind of, you know, went back on himself to say, well, I don't think anyone knows how to deal with a 7-0 loss at home. But, um, you know, he was very honest. Um, you know, he, he's coming for a lot of criticism over over the last season and a half. But he, he uh, you know, he faced the cameras and uh, and I thought spoke very well. The, the thing about the squad and, and such is, for me, three six, uh, three games in in six days. Um, Spurs game very energy sapping. That was a very, you know, hard contest. West Ham digging in with ten men for thirty minutes, um, yeah. and then you have Liverpool come to town. I am somewhat baffled as to to why Jaro Riedeveld hasn't started one of those three games. I have yeah. to say, I, I do think if there's any criticism in terms of squad selection or team selection for those three games, isn't the middle two didn't have any form of rotation. I know MacArthur's been subbed a couple of times, but, um, you know, at times, the gap between the, the centre-backs and our two midfielders was too big against Liverpool. And I know we've talked about the fact that the 7-0 loss, we're going to hopefully just kind of you know walk past that and just uh, ignore it. But, you know, there were elements of that second-half performance where it was a bit worrying to see the gaps um, yeah. within a team that is normally so well-drilled. And I do think that, um, you know, Gyro probably should have started one of those three games simply for rotation's sake, um, if not taking into account how well he played when he did have a spell in the team earlier this season. So um, I'd consider him uh, certainly an option for the Villa game. Um, but we know that Roy very much trusts uh, Jimmy Mack in particular. He sees him as one of his lieutenants on the pitch. And, you know, Jimmy Mack's earned a lot of credit over the years. And equally, Luca, you know, Roy very much likes Luca and wants to get him in the team when he can. But equally, I, I don't think, as you know, if we're taking into account this peculiar season... I think if there's need for rotation, it's certainly going to be this season, particularly when you have three games in six days and three games such as the three games that we played. 
I think that's totally fair. Uh, one of our listeners, mm. Paul Decent, uh, agrees with you. He said he's put, I'm also a big Jimmy Mack fan, but I think he needs to rest. And I thought that was apparent in midweek. I think it probably was. Possibly Enders. We might we might have seen the last Kiate at centre back for a bit. Possibly he he, he struggled yeah. in that game, and again the options do seem to be coming back. I mean, Dam was on the bench. Was Tompkins on the bench as well? I think yes. he Tompkins came on. Yeah, yeah, Tompkins yeah. Came on. So Tompkins we do have the options on. there. So I, I I mean, Jack's absolutely right. Roy, well, I was about to say Roy never changes a winning team. Obviously, that was as far from a winning team as you could possibly get. But um, <laughs> I think I think it, we know Christmas is busy anyway, and then you add in this season as well that there surely has to be a bit of rotation uh, as. Reliable yeah, as Jimmy Mack has been, I think. And Jari has done well, so I think it's a good shout. James, oh. James Tompkins is actually starting for the under-23s this afternoon, so you would think that might be uh, you know, a, a factor in maybe considering him to get some more minutes. Um, maybe not start against Villa, but certainly be available for, for the Leicester game and the Sheffield United game over, over the New Year period. Yes, indeed. Um, what time yet? 25. Oh, can you guys still hear me? Yeah. Yeah, so my so yeah, my, my just, you, you did you were did cut out for a little bit. I thought I might have done. Yeah, my because my connection is unstable. But um, we'll carry on. Did you have a point on rotation, yeah. Jack? Oh, have <laughs> I gone again? Unstable. Have I gone again? Sorry. No, no, you haven't. I just said I just said you're unstable. Brilliant. Anyway, okay, brilliant. Um, no, did you have a, did you have a point? On rota- not, did you have a point on rotation, James? You wanted to say. Prob- uh, probably not. No, I'd, uh, I just look. Well, if we have to rotate, but I think you know we're, we're talking about. You know, the rotation, we're talking about all these games in quick succession, we're talking about the weird season. But really, as a fan of Crystal Palace, you've got to be angry that we lost 7-0. <laughs> I mean, you, we can look at all these different factors, but it is pretty bad. And there were, as, as Jack rightly pointed out, we're trying to gloss over it and kind of take the mickey out of it. But, the, you know, that second half performance was pretty atrocious. And I know you're playing potentially, you know, one of the best teams in, in the world. Uh, but even so, it's... um. When you're a professional, you 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 got to um, you 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 can't leave those space and you can't let teams like that break you down and just and hurt you as much as they did. And it was disappointing. It, it did get to the point where we're all starting, you know, on social media and whatever. We're all starting to laugh about it and joke about it, and it becomes. And we're all laughing about it now in a sense that let's just get it over with. Look, for one, I'm glad it was Liverpool. It wasn't say Sheffield United or. <laughs> Brighton, or Brighton oh, God. Do you know what I mean? But you know, it, it, it was you know, it was the league champions. It was you know the, the team that may possibly win the league again this year. So, if we want to take anything out of it, I just think you know, I just think that I hope that the club, as we talk about the experience, they just look at themselves and just go, let's just look at that as a blip. It maybe you know, maybe we would that was going to happen to us in the same way that we always say, you know, when we after we beat West Brom, it's like. This team has got it in them to yeah. beat a team. Yeah. We've also got it in us to be beaten. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And we've got we're both over and done with it in the space of six days. So I'm sure the rest of the season is now gonna be just so boring and flat. <laughs> I'll take <that. laughs> I'll take it every day, mate. My my last point about the Liverpool game would be I do wonder whether if we'd had, you know, twenty five thousand in Selhurst, would we have conceded four goals in the second half. I do wonder whether the atmosphere in the ground would have got to the point where Roy might have just said, come on, let's not concede any more. Maybe seven might not have happened in front of a full house. I totally just as agree I, with you. I ju- just as I think, actually, I don't think Villa would have beaten Liverpool 7-2 in front of their own fans. I think Liverpool probably would have um, you know, shut up shop to, to not be as embarrassed uh, as they were that evening. I do think there's an element of no crowd makes it perhaps a little bit more of a practice match environment between 11, I totally uh, or agree. 11 versus 11. Very good 
footballers. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I I do wonder whether if uh, if in front of a full house that doesn't end seven 0 perhaps five or six, but not seven. It I, think, I, think it, yeah. I think it's, I think that's a very very valid point, Jack. And I think you know, all these freak results and get, oh, we are getting, you know, not just. Um, Palace results, but other results as well, you know. And it is down to the fact that there's no crowd there. It has to be, you know, not, not the only reason, but it definitely contributes to it. And I think definitely you're exactly right. Definitely contributing yeah. factor. You know, if, if we go in losing 3-0, having not played badly, you come out in the second half, the crowd would have been so yeah. up for it. Come yeah. on, Palace, come on. Yeah. And with the, there wouldn't have been that space that Liverpool got. And I, and I think, like, yes, I'm not saying we would have won the game. I don't think we would have drawn it 7-all either. But I think we may have, you know, it, we, we may have come away with it with our heads held slightly higher than we did. Well, I mean, it, if I can uh, chuck a little caveat in there, with, with no home fans, it's, it's technically not a home game. It's technically a neutral venue. So... I would. I don't know. That still goes down as our worst ever home defeat. But I'm just saying, you know, with an, aster- with an asterisk next to it. With an asterisk. Yeah, okay. Um, and I have to say, before we move on to part two, it's really refreshing that you'd have thought after a 7 0 defeat, all the comments and questions we get this week would all be hammering the team. So many people are feeling as philosophical as you guys. Paul Deason from earlier says, everyone calm down. Bad day at the office. Nothing to see here. Move on. Uh, one more point, Chris, who runs one more point fantasy. One of our best starts of the season. Don't let one thrashing overshadow the overall solid, solid start. F- FPL Taxi at Russell Levy. I was more unhappy after the tepid performances against Brighton, Burnley and Newcastle than yesterday. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, somewhat, I somewhat agree with that in terms of the Brighton fixture. I was more disappointed having taken a point from that game than, than I was about being rolled over on, um, on Saturday. So, yeah, no, I'd, I'd take that point for sure. And then Paul Grant says, is anyone else reasonably relaxed about yesterday? We didn't actually play that badly in the first half. And Liverpool were brilliant. And he goes on to mention the Villa game as well. So I think people are sort of taking it in the context of, you know, the madness of this season. That's fair enough. Really quickly before we move on. Mm-hmm. And James, you were talking about social media earlier. A lot of people were not happy, including Jim A. Jim E. A. Jim A. Jim A. Northern way of, of replying. Possibly, yeah. Very, possibly very northern. Um, but is it acceptable for PVA to run to Salah for his shirt after another piss poor defensive <sighs> display by him and the team capitulating? I know some people were upset about Roy smiling at the end as well. <laughs> though, although, as you said, a lot of us were laughing on social media anyway. Yeah, I was like, um, I, I always find it a bit weird when players go and get run up to other players to other teams to get their shirt, especially in, in a in a league game like that. It's a bit odd, isn't it? But but then again, you know, if you're sort of like PVA, you're playing Mohamed Salah and he's one of the greatest players around in the world at the moment and maybe you'll never play him again and you say this is the shirt that he wore when they beat us 7-0. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> well, maybe one it's like so when he's there'll be some auction coming over charity and he'll and he'll raise a lot of money for somebody. Who knows? Maybe Salah wanted PVA shirt. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> you know. Good one, Jack. Uh, no, but, you know, that, uh, again, uh, I, I guess it, it could have been worse if he'd asked for it at half-time or something. But again, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't really mind if players want to swap shirts. Um, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things, as, as Ender says, it might be that he, you know, he does a lot of charity work, I know, uh, PVA, and it might be that, yeah, he, he has yeah. a charity auction, and, yeah. you know, he probably would have swapped shirts in the tunnel, and if we hadn't seen it, would anyone moan? No, because we would Which they it. can't do now, because of COVID anyway, so... Well, yeah, and, and the bit about Roy laughing, I mean, I again, I, okay, I understand it doesn't look great, but equally, what's he meant to do? Chin clock for... Exactly, for exactly. Like, you know, <laughs> what, what on earth is he meant? He, you know, it's a very awkward... It struck me as an awkward smile, as if to be like... 
well, that wasn't great for my lot. Um, you know, Roy's been around the block. He knows that was not a good performance. He knows the seriousness of losing 7-0. He'll be bitterly disappointed. He's probably thought about it ever since the game. Um, and I, I think to to hound him on uh, on social media for, for, you know, a wry smile and a little bit of a chuckle, uh, perhaps an awkward chuckle with, with his uh, counterpart, I, I don't think is really required. So, um, yeah, best leave that one there and... Uh, and move on to well, the uh, to the next thing that someone like uh, someone like that would uh, would would criticise Roy for. Let's let's wait for the next thing for, for Roy to annoy someone with. Well, there was also <laughs> when the, the when the seventh goal went in, Salah's goal which is probably pick pick of the bunch. Um, they did cut to Roy on the bench, and it, again he was sort of chuckling to himself. But it, it was definitely a oh for fuck's sake chuckle, <laughs> which we've all done, you know. And, we, and you, I just you could see it. So yeah, I, again, I'm not too fussed about that kind of thing. It's it's, it's yeah. It's, it's, it's just, just human um, nature. It's human nature. You exactly. Know, come on, and so what? Exactly. He also triple captain Salah. So you know. <laughs> <what can> <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Okay. Let's. Let's wrap up there, I think, fairly positively, despite a 7-0 performance. Um, and we'll move on to part two, where we've got questions from our listeners. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the five-year plan Christmas podcast. Full of Christmas cheer. Um, (laughs) Sponsored this week by Serenity Massage Therapy, making the world a more comfortable place, one massage at a time. Call or text Russ at Serenity Massage Therapy on 07967 203 Seven one four. Too many sevens in there for my liking. Or email info at serenity-services.co.uk and quote FYP to get up to 25% off for you and your friends and family. Right, we've got a lot of questions, so we're going to play uh, question bingo in a minute. Where I'm going to oh, get brilliant. you guys to ask to pick a number because we've just got so many. But before we do that, I'll read out a couple that don't really require a response, but we'll do them anyway. Stephen Goldring. Hi, Stephen. Says, have Hi, Liverpool Stephen. turned the corner? <laughs> You knew it was coming. You knew yeah, it was they're, coming. On a, they're on a straight road. They're on a straight road, those guys. Uh, and Chris Lehman from One More Point, who mentioned earlier, says, if a team loses 7-0 but no one's there to see it, did it even happen? No. <laughs> That's quite a nice no, way of putting yeah, it. No. <laughs> uh, and Robin Say... Hi, Robin. ...says, are Hello, we looking Robin. forward to the FA Cup final appearance? Now we've got Liverpool thrashing out the way. <laughs> Happened in 1990 or 89, didn't it, James? So, 18, it did in 1989, yeah. We lost 9-0 up in Anfield. Then we did beat them 4-3 in the semi-final. So maybe we'll meet them in the semi-final in, at Villa Park. Yeah, if it just leads to another defeat by United at Wembley, I'll probably pass on it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. yeah, good point. Yeah, Although good point. it would be very palace to get to the cup final and actually win it and have no fans there. Right, James, can you yeah. pick a number between one and 47? Uh, 14. Wow. 14. 14, 14, 14. 
Yeah. 14. Okay, good, yeah, good, good one. one. Rob good. Dobbing. Hi, Rob. It comes Hello, with Rob. brackets at the start that says, warning, leading question. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no doubt this was an embarrassing result and a bad second half performance, but assuming this is the outlier and assessing the season as a whole, does the panel think inconsistent results in conceding more goals are the trade-off for trying to take the initiative more often and play more attacking football with a squad that's improved but lacks investment? Oh, over wow. to you, James. Yes. So just say yes. Yeah, just say yes. Yeah. <laughs> no. How many marks for that question? That's a, that's a pretty good question. Huh? That's, that's a, a really long question. question yeah. I'd actually forgotten what you'd said at the beginning. By the end of it, it was so long. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, people Essentially, have been saying to Roy, we need to go for games more. Yeah. And we have in the last couple of games. Yeah. And uh, obviously it's left us more open. Mm. Um and then there's the point about lacking investment as well. And again, we talked about missing a striker up front earlier. So yes, there we did, is we that. Did. But we know, you know, I said on the post-match podcast last week or week before last, I want the term Roy Ball banned because I don't actually think it means anything. Because lots of other managers and players play Roy Ball. Sam Allardyce plays Roy Ball. Tony Pulis plays Roy Ball. Most of the teams down the bottom half of the Premier League play their own version of Roy Ball. Yeah. Um, and we've seen in the last few weeks Roy not play Roy Ball and we've got <laughs> these mixture of weird, crazy results. So, I don't know, Enders, what, what's your take on, 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 on Roy trying to be a bit more expansive? I mean, I'm, you know, if you, if you take the Liverpool game out of the equation, we're, we, we should be very happy as a club and as fans, and as a squad, because, you know, we're going in the right direction. We're playing some exciting football, we're scoring goals, uh, we've got a bit of a squad there. We've been very positive on the pod the last few weeks, you know, and that doesn't happen. You know, I've been doing this pod for eight or nine years now, and we've, we've been quite positive, more than we have been in the God, past. you sounded really but, weary when you said that. Well, I, well yeah, because well, it's just tight. It's, just, it's because the whole world's shutting down, isn't it? Yeah. Now, I mean, the whole world's falling apart, and here we are talking about us losing seven minutes. It's all a little bit odd. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I actually can't get lettuce in my, in my local supermarket anymore because of all the all the problems with the lorry drivers in Kent. All, I blame PBA. I blame Van Arnold. I, yeah. I just blame Van Arnold for running up to Salah wanting his shirt because, you know, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if you take the Liverpool game out of the, out of the equation, we're, we're all happy bunnies, really. We're all feeling all right. We're feeling positive. We're not feeling ecstatic, but we're feeling positive. The club's moving in the right direction under these weird circumstances. But when you add that Liverpool game into it, it just, I don't know, it kind of it messes with your head a little bit, doesn't it? Because you don't know whether it's just... Because you don't want to just laugh it off because it was a 7-0 defeat. But at the same time, can you take it too seriously? I don't know if you can. I, I, I just don't know. I, do you know what, Jeddy? For once in my life, I'm speechless. <laughs> Which makes you a terrible podcast guest, I'll be yeah, honest. No, but, no, um... Sorry about that, yeah. Jack, help me out. <laughs> well, I would um, I'd say if, if we, you know, let two in or three in against Villa, then two or three in against Leicester, and the same for Sheffield yeah. United, I'd probably, you know, be a bit more concerned. But, you know, we, we conceded one against Spurs, um, albeit our keeper had an absolute blinder. Um, we conceded one against West Ham, and despite playing... Um, you know, 30 minutes with 10 men. In both those games, we were on the front foot and attacked as much as we we could, really. So I I don't think that the kind of uh, improvement in terms of our attacking play will necessarily lead to, you know, a gluttony of goals going at the other end. I think Saturday was a blip. You know, you know as we've discussed already, their, their XG, or, you know, even if you just compare shots on target to, to goals scored, 
um, was was almost 100%. So and their XG was was far lower than what they actually scored. So I um, yeah, I'm not especially worried that perhaps a uh, uh, an improvement in our final third output will will lead to it, given the you know the good defenders that we have. But yeah, that maybe come back to uh, to me in uh, in a couple of weeks' time, maybe in the new year if we <laughs> if we if we've shed a load against Leicester and. Uh, or Villa, Leicester, and Sheffield United. Yeah, because we know teams like Palace build their build their style on a defensive, solid defensive unit, which Roy has done for a while. And it's funny that Rob said inconsistent results. It, I, I'd say the performances haven't been inconsistent. The performances, bar the second half against on yeah. have been quite good. And results, weird results happen in football, and results can come and go. But if you analyse the performances, we have been quite good, and to me that's more important. Although, you both sort of touched on quite an interesting point, and I'm going to chuck in two more questions here um, from out of the bingo. One from Terry Tony Gillum. Hi, Tony. Who Hello, said, Hello all. Do the panel feel that Saturday's game will cause a wobble in what has been a relatively successful campaign to date? And second, with only a single clean sheet this season, is our more progressive attacking style costing our defensive record? And then Simon Horbury has put, oh, it is sorry. a freak result. But does it show that defensively we've not been at the races at all this season? Because, Jack, we still haven't kept clean sheets since the first day of the season. And this is something we've touched on in previous pods, um, which is a bit unroy. Because I think that is one thing you can count on with with Roy Ball, if I'm going to use it again, that we are defensively solid. Um, or, again, is this something that, you know, we are, what we were game week 15 coming up, nearly halfway mm-hmm. through the season. When do we start panicking about the defence? I don't know. I think if we've, uh, it depends what we do at the other end of the pitch. Um, you know, we, we can't win Jeroy for, you know, season after season, Gar, we don't do anything going forward and then start, to, as soon as he does start to do that, say, oh, God, we're terrible at the back. Yeah. I, 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 I struggle with um, with worrying too much about, you know, conceding goals when we're relatively comfortable in mid-table. We've, you know, prior to the West Ham game, had our best points returned by this point of the season. Yeah. Um, still on course for around 50 points at the end of the season, which would be the first time we break that target um, and, and would be um, in contention for a top half place. So, you know, I, th- I think there are um, less and less nil-nils going on this season. I think that's been stated plenty of times. I I haven't done this piece of analysis, but it might be of, of interest uh, to anyone that wants to go and do this is... Um, Compare how many nil, how many clean sheets teams have had in comparison to their their season last season. Have Everton had the same amount of clean sheets yeah. as last season? Have have Southampton? I I don't know. I, I I wonder if more goals are being scored. Games are more open. Um, I don't think we're any worse defensively than than we were. We seem you know resolute and and well drilled. Um, you know, against West Ham, we were very well organised. We played very well. Um, I don't remember Guaita made one decent save in the first half from close range from Bowen. We conceded an absolutely superb bicycle kick. And then even after we go down to 10 men, the only chance I really remember that, you know, made, made my heart beat up a little bit was, um, was when Declan Rice hit one for about 30 yards out. So, you know, without that Halaire goal, um, that might be a clean sheet. You know, we'll, we'll see at the end of the season, if you know, if we've got, you know, just that one clean sheet from the first day of the season, then that would obviously be something of note and something to talk about. But I don't know. I think it's a difficult thing to pinpoint that while we are sitting relatively comfortable in the mid table and on course for a a very good season. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably what I'd say to that one. I think that's I think that's fair. 
It is. We do have to. We do have to acknowledge the caveat that this is a weird season, and yeah. I'm, 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 I'm sure one of our listeners will be able to do that little bit of research that you've just mentioned there, um, because that. Would... Sorry to set. Sorry to set listeners' homework. I don't want to be that. <laughs> I know dark, one. But... I know one. Already else to do, who, will, who will WhatsApp me within about five minutes? This pod going up that information. <laughs> uh, who loves that kind of stuff? Um, it's been a weird season, and uh, yeah. If we have that context of how other teams are doing, I think it might put um, our results into context as well. So, uh, yeah, I don't, it's not time to panic yet, but um, it's certainly... I think we should be panicking because we're, we're, we're so much more fluid in attack and we're scoring goals a lot more than we normally do. And we've, you know, we've up until, as we say, up to the West Ham game, we'd have the best, our best start to a Premier League season. I'd, you know, I'd, I don't think just having one clean sheet is any reason to worry at the moment yes of course it is an aging squad and we do need uh maybe some younger backup but i don't think we should worry about it too much at the moment i think the important thing is what jack points out earlier on i think we should you know i think we're going to have a real good idea of where we how we go this season after the next three games and i know that's really a a way of trying to get out of things but (laughs) having had that liverpool result which is such a freak and playing so well up to that point and even up to half time in liverpool game albeit losing 3-0 at half-time. I'd be really interested to know how... It's going to be really tough against Villa, and, you know, we need to get points against Sheffield, and obviously Leicester will be difficult, but, you know, I'd be interested to know how we go in the next two games, and that'll be a real indication of where this club is this season. Even though it's a weird season, I think that'll give us a lot more... um, I mean, they always say, look at your team after 10 games. I think think we... We'd, I don't know how many we've played, so is it 13 we've played? Or 14, 14 now. 14, 14. No. I think we're looking after, after 17 games. <laughs> Maybe half to see, you know, whatever. But I, yeah. I think that's going to be a really good indication of whether we're just going to stay in the mid-table, if we're going to push for, you know, a little bit higher, or whether we're going to start to struggle. I mean, if, if we don't get any points out of our next three games, we're, we're going to be looking down the barrel of a gun. Oh, really. absolutely. I, yeah. I, I agree with that totally, that, you know, while we are in a relatively comfortable place, it only takes a month of... Exactly, no yeah. performances and no results, and you're you know right back at it. So yeah, yeah, we will we will see. It'll be um, interesting. And we're going to obviously preview the Leicester, the Villa, and the Leicester games um, in part three. Before we do that, Jack, can you pick me a number between one and forty-seven, please? Yeah, I'll go slap bang in the middle and go twenty-three. Twenty-three. Nice uh, let me scroll to that. Twenty-three is from Ben Rolf. Hello, Ben. He says, "Is Wilf?" Unsubbable. Arguably, the last three are the three worst games he's had for Palace. Only time I can remember him being subbed off was against West Brom when he'd scored two and was on for a hat-trick. Oh, Jack, I'll come to you for this one. I don't I don't remember Wilf being particularly bad in these games. Has he been bad? I, I, I've missed that. I feel, like, I feel like Chris Kamara. I must have missed that. Uh, I must have missed that. Um, yeah, uh, he, uh, uh, yeah uh, for, for me, he is unsubbable. I don't think his last three performances have been especially bad. Uh I think against West Ham, he was very, very well marshaled by an excellent right back and with the additional support of Declan Rice um, against Tottenham. I thought he contributed to um, our fairly decent, fluing, uh, fluent play moving forward. And yeah, maybe on Saturday he got a little bit lost, but I'd never take him off. I mean, you know, you, you don't see other teams taking off their best player. Um, so uh, no, not, for me, he is unsubbable unless, you know, there was a situation where he's on a booking and he's had a warning from a referee yeah. that, you know, Roy needs to take action or you now that West Brom game. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it might be nice for him to maybe stay on and grab his hat trick, but equally just come back from, from missing two games. And, you know, Roy had seen enough after 80 minutes to say, yeah, thanks very much, mate. 
come and have a come and have a breather. So um, he is unsubable as far as I'm concerned, but I do appreciate the question in that you know does Roy even think about it? And I think Roy probably doesn't because of the you know the moments of of genius that Wilf possesses um, can often be the change between or sorry the difference between a loss and a point or a point and a win. So yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky one, but for me, uh, unsubable. Well, you think about Roy's first few games when he joined us in late 2017 and Wilf produced match-saving and match-winning moments right at the death in quite a few of them. The West Ham game where he scores right at the end. The Watford game where he creates Watford two game. goals out of nothing. Having, ha- having been terrible, Wilf, personally, for the first 89 minutes in that game. Did nothing. Got wound up by the Watford fans. Was cupping his ears to yeah. them. Yeah. And that actually was a game where I was saying to my dad, Wil- Wilf's head's gone here. Might as well take him but you're off. right. I mean, that game, he was actually fairly ineffective. And again, had been well looked after by Watford, but absolutely changed the guy. I think has the shot for the first goal. And then, you know, an absolute piece of wizardry on the on the flank. Gets past two players and MacArthur slots in for a win. And, and you kind of forget about the previous 85 yeah. minutes yeah. of him not really doing much. But that's what players like Wilf do i mean that's the beauty of a player like wilf and you know you've got to accept the lull sometimes that he might have during a game or for a period of games but that that moment of quality is the difference and yeah game defining moments but that season under hodgson probably season defining moments in that he kept us going you know our points tally kept on rolling when we'd had such a poor start and and still he still has moments where he interjects during games no brighton at home last season i thought he was bang average against brighton again brighton would marshalling him very well and he could see him getting a bit frustrated on at the referee all the time and then picks up the ball and beats the defender and it's 1-1 and we get a point from a game where we probably didn't really deserve anything in yeah. that one and that's what he does so I, I think we're a better team whenever he's on the pitch um, you know as my, my dad used to say watching Palace with, with, with Ian Wright in the team if, if Ian Wright's on the pitch you think Palace have a chance of winning the game and for me that applies to Wilf um, I, I think we're a much better team with him on the pitch um, and you know, if you've got him at you know at disposal, he should be on the pitch. I totally agree. And and Ender's Jack made a good point that you know you don't see any teams taking off their best players, but even the top teams. You know, Liverpool took Mane off at the weekend and brought on Mo Salah, then goes on to <laughs> score two and score and, and create one. Even if Palace had those options on the bench, even if Palace had a bench that was full of another Eze, Ismail Assar, another Yannick Balassi. You probably still wouldn't take Wolf off, but you would feel happier having those options come on. But we just don't, yeah. we don't have them. No, we don't have those options. I mean, our bench is a lot stronger than it has been in recent seasons, but it, it doesn't have the, the strength and the quality that something like a Liverpool bench does. You know, it's Wilf, Wilf is unsubbable. And I think, you know, Wilf will always... Wilf not only could turn a game in a few minutes, in a, in a, in a second, um, he also con- continually puts fear into the opposition, whoever he's playing, yeah. you know, because yeah. they don't know what he's going to do as, as much as we don't know. And I imagine Will sometimes doesn't really know what he's going to do. <laughs> it's funny, I was, uh, was, I was watching um, Soccer AM on Saturday and the guest in the studio was, Balassi was in the studio. Oh. And he was very interesting. He was talking about playing and uh, one of the guys asking the question, said, you know, when are you going down the wing? Do you do you think, you know, I'm going to move to this side or to that side or when a player's coming towards you? Have you got all these tricks up your sleeve? He just went, it's all instinct. Mm-hmm. He goes, it's all, he goes I, I never know what I'm going to do, you know. And he's and it's unpredictable. He says, that's why it sometimes works and sometimes it doesn't. And I think, I think you know, I'm not, 
I don't think Blast is as good as Wilf or ever ever was as good as Wilf, but it's got that similar thing that it's the unpredictability. And I think that's the reason why you should never take a player like Wilf off, is because it's unpredictable. Yes, you, you may at the end of the game go, bloody hell, I wish I had, because he he's contributed nothing. But you never know. As you say, we talked about that game against uh, Watford a few years ago. Played terrible 39 minutes and all of a sudden scores a goal so, and changes the game. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, no, I, I, I wouldn't sub him and I'd always play him because he's the I greatest. Then, uh, but, but yeah, he is... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that, yeah. Yeah, he was our greatest ever player but we took him off after 65 like every to... week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I agree, Benders. And the thing is, as he's matured as a player, the the role that he plays for the team in terms of occupying some other some of the uh, opponents' defenders. I mean, Benteke has been very good the last few weeks. But one of the reasons why he's been as good is because he does have that space. Because you now, often Wilf will occupy not only a fullback but also one of the centre halves. And yeah, Eze I, I think well. that's a growing. Eze yeah, and Eze as well. As well you know, Eze, the reason I, why Eze, I think, is flourishing is because yeah. everyone looks at Wilf, so they go to Wilf, and, it, and it's believing yeah. Eze in that space. Yeah. You know? And but, I think, you know, it's, um, it's, and, it, and it's working. It proves it's, it's working because it worked against West Brom, and it, and, it, and it will work again. We are more, look, we are more likely to have another 5-1 or whatever. We're more likely to get a West Brom result this season than we are to get a Liverpool result. And that's yeah. that's how I think we should look at this. But that only happens if Wilf's on the pitch. So no, yes, yeah, he should okay, not be yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot what the question was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, well done. Thanks for bringing it back around. Uh, right, let's move on to part three. We're going to preview the next couple of games over Christmas. Before we do that, thank you to all our listeners for your questions. Sorry we couldn't get... We had to do have one here. Do you guys have time to talk yeah, about yeah, PVA? Yeah. Do you have time to talk about PVA? Because there's been a few... Got one here from Andrew Dowie, and he says, "Has PVA already got one foot in Amsterdam?" And I just wanted to make sure we don't <laughs> gloss over PVA because people have been criticising his certainly second half performance. Is that, is that a reference to his potential move to Ajax, or just the way he played in the uh, in the game on Saturday? <laughs> I'm going to assume uh, the Ajax. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I I, I heard a podcast with him um, uh, last summer. I think it was between the two seasons, and. You know, he, he said something which was quite telling and actually, you know, a relatively uh, emotional thing to say in terms of him and his wife would like his children to um, have some of their childhood in Holland. You know, him and his partner are both Dutch. Um, it would make a lot of sense for him to to move to a club like Ajax. I mean, imagine, you know, actually having that on your CV and, and being able to play for Ajax. I don't know his connection to the Amsterdam area, but if that is a, you know, a valid link and there is possibility that that would happen, then that may well be playing on his mind. And I think he can actually openly talk with them from next month. So, um, you know, if that is possibility for, for PBA, I'd completely understand if that was something that he wanted to pursue. But I don't think it's distracting from his play. I mean, he's, he's always had that wild card element yeah. about yeah. him since he exactly. first joined us. And, <laughs> you know, is he a left-back that is always where he should be? No. Um, <laughs> but is he equally going the other way? He, he often pops up in places where he shouldn't be to our benefit. So, yeah, I think he got a lot of grief on, on Saturday and probably an unfair proportion uh, of the grief that was dished out after that result. Um, but for me, um, I could see next summer being a natural parting of the ways. It would, you know, perhaps allow um, Mitchell to yeah. have that first team opportunity. We, we've seen, at least we've had the chance to see Mitchell, you know, we know what there is behind PBA and that would be a, you know, a, a solid uh, piece of development for the club and for, and for Mitchell to, to come in and perhaps be first choice from next season. Or, you know, PBA is on a on a fair whack in terms of his weekly wages, and that would perhaps free up, um, you know, either the securing of another left back or 
you know, supplementing recruitment elsewhere in the squad. So I could see it being a, a natural break, but I did think the criticism put his way on Saturday was perhaps over the top, um, albeit after a pretty average performance from uh, from from him. Yeah, and he's one of those players that I think will always attract sort of lots of criticism and lots of praise, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, alternating. Because he comes on social media, comes on Twitter, and he, he openly yeah. will say we play badly, but he also, whether you think that's wise or not, will will take a pop back at people taking a pop at him and get involved. And I think that maybe thinks that makes him more of a target for people or makes people think I can slag him off more. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. You know, that, that that's a debate for another day. But uh, Jack is right. He's always been one of these players that sort of, when he's brilliant, he's brilliant. And when yeah. he's bad, he's a bit more bad than everyone else. And that's just maybe the nature of a player like, like him. That's just the nature of a player like PVA. You know, I mean, thank goodness not all players are like that. There's a lot of them, a, lot, <laughs> a, hell of a, lot, a hell of a lot more dependable. And that's great, you know. Um, but, you know, the, there's been some times in the past couple of seasons when he's run down that wing and some of the goals he scored, we've been up, we're just going crazy at him. You know, yeah. he, he, he can really turn on the magic, but yet he can have times where you just think he hasn't even woken up yet or he's still in bed. Uh, but that's just the, the nature of a player like PVA. Unfortunately, you know, we're, you know, we're, um, I mean, I like watching players like that. I mean, I get frustrated yeah. with them. You know, I think, you know, who I'd put in the same bracket as that? Sacco as well. Mamo, Mamo do Sacco. I think you know. I think he's another one that draws this. Like people, he could do a moment of genius, then a moment of absolute madness as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just the way these, some of these players are, which is why they've never really reached maybe the heights that they thought they may get to, or probably wanted to get to, because of, they've got a bit of inconsistency in their game. But it kind of makes it exciting as a fan, but also makes you tear your flipping hair out as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think uh, Saturday was. Uh was PVA's 200th Premier League appearance. So, you know, congratulations to him for that, because wow, that's, that's a, that's a hell of an achievement over a career. Well, yeah, he might want to yeah, he might want to put an asterisk on it and maybe have his 200th again uh, on Boxing Day. But no, I mean, if he, if, if say he were to leave, I'd be sad to see him go because he's a high-quality player. But yeah. equally, I think he is replaceable, particularly for, uh, you know, consideration of his age and, and probably his, his salary. And I think the same, you know, mention of Sacco there, I think the contract's up there. That may also be an area, I, I think, again, similar to PVA, you know, fans are very quick to judge Saka when he makes a mistake, but often the quality yeah, bit he brings. Yeah, well, possibly, yeah. I mean, you know, I think all fans are happy to, to have a go at him, but perhaps his errors are more glaring because of where he takes the risk that he takes. But yeah. Um, possibly. Yeah. yeah, you know, I think this summer, obviously, we've talked about it before in the pod, I think this summer will be a very uh, important summer for the club and there will be a lot of people out the door naturally because of the, the you know expiry of contracts and and I would think PVA could be one of those. I think you're possibly right and it will be busy summer. We we get questions about January every week. I don't ask them until January starts because I get bored of talking about transfers. Um, but obviously <laughs> in the next few weeks we will be doing that and we'll Brilliant. see we'll see what January has I think there'll be a flurry of We'll, you'll see renewed contracts. You'll see, you know, some new stories on the website about renewed contracts, but not all of them. And I think you will see some out the door as well. So we will see. Right, this is the last question. It's not a question, but this made me laugh. I put up on the Facebook page, uh, send us all your questions, please, for the pod. And Neil Koska put no, and you can't make Hello, me. <laughs> So anyway, thank you very much for everyone who did send the question. Sorry, can't ask them all, but please do keep sending them in. We do appreciate it. After the break, we're going to preview Palace's Christmas games against Aston Villa and Leicester. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. 
That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the five-year plan. Christmas 2020 podcast. It's sponsored this week by Serenity Massage Therapy, making the world a more comfortable place one massage at a time. Call or text Russ at Serenity Massage Therapy on 07967 203 714 or email info at serenity-services.co.uk and quote FYP to get up to 25% off for your friends and family. Uh, right, Jack, busy time at uh, Christmas. Uh, when I messaged you earlier, you said, "Oh, I might, I might do a little bit of look at the next two games, Villa and Leicester." And I was like, "Oh, yeah, we're playing Leicester as well." <laughs> um, I had completely forgotten. This time of year is always just so crazy. Um, and the Leicester game is so we've got Villa on the Saturday, Boxing Day, Leicester on the Monday. We normally pod on the Monday, so we'll probably have to pod after that. Um, it's always interesting trying to squeeze the pods in around Christmas. Um, and in fact, we've got a question here from Michael Wallace. Hi, Michael. Hello, Michael. About the Villa game. He says, uh, Mitchell to start against Villa? Question mark. Is Luca the midfielder he used to be? Question mark. Will Luca start a game and not get carded? Question mark. There you go. You've got three <laughs> questions in one there, Jack. Uh, yes. Yes. No. <laughs> uh, I, I, no. I, I, it might be that Mitchell starts after that performance from PBA. I don't, I don't know where Mitchell is at his recovery from his injury earlier in the season, but... Um, yeah, it might be that Roy shuffles the pack a little bit and Mitchell get a run out. Equally, you know, you could play Joel Ward at left back too after his, you know, good performance at West Ham. Um, so if, you know, Van Honnold is going to, you know, perhaps have a bit of time out of the team for whatever reason, um, then there are options. I think Luca will start because, uh, you know, he's captain unless he's injured or suspended. Roy has uh, has recently played him. Um, but no, I, I think uh, Luca's cards per match ratio is, is is pretty on point and i think he'd probably be disappointed to not be carded by this point i think uh, i think he likes to, to receive them but no in all seriousness the villa game is going to be a difficult one uh both these games are going to be difficult actually I, I, you know it's nice to see uh palace will be the uh again the national entertainment on the bbc on boxing day you know it used to be a good film and now it's going to be either a, a high-end comedy or a terrible tragedy we'll see what what we deliver um but the last time the last time we were on the bbc uh, we we comfortably beat Bournemouth, so you know, hopefully a repeat of that. But yeah, Villa are a decent side, and again, I know, I know West Brom. We played them recently and and, and carved through them quite quite nicely too. And Villa did that yesterday. But Villa do seem to have stepped up this season. You know, the the attacking threat they pose, particularly through through Grealish driving on, is is one that really any team uh, needs to be wary of. And you can see why he's so highly rated. And um, you know, they they're playing currently. Um, two wingers and um, the, the guy whose name I've forgotten he scored two last night El Ghazi yeah. um, he got two and, and Traore there summer signing from Leon has, has kind of settled into the team now and he scored a, a very nicely taken one last night so they are a threat they've got Watkins up top who of course we were linked with previously and you know he hasn't scored as many as you know other strikers have this season but in terms of 
uh, kind of settling from the championship, the Premier League, he looks a threat. Um, so they they will be um, good on the good on the break, good um, good possession side. But equally, I think there are opportunities to get at them defensively. Um, albeit behind the defence, they have a very very good goalkeeper who I I struggle to see why Arsenal thought they should yeah. sell. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're they're a good side. And um, and if you want my comment about Leicester now, uh, I think Leicester are a good side. And then sadly, we're playing them at home. Um, and they seem to only really win away from home. Yeah. So, <laughs> bit of a bit of an issue there for Palace. But I watched them against Spurs yesterday, and they were they were superb, well worth their two 0 win. Um, the only hope really is that Vardy came off with about five to go with a bit of a, a muscle pull. So, you know, fingers crossed uh, that's a little bit worse than it looked, and we might not have to face him because he's a, of course, a threat every time we play Leicester. But yeah, two really difficult games. But as we talked about earlier, um, you know, they, these these games now will perhaps have a uh, an impact on how we feel about our season progressing by the turn of the year. Yeah, because Enders, we were pretty poor in that uh, project restart game at Villa. Yeah. Albeit had a you know a legitimate goal ruled out by VAR, but that was a very flat performance um, that game. So you hope that as that wasn't that long ago that the players <laughs> you know try and respond in a different way. I've just been looking at Villa's performances because I watched their West Brom game last night as well. They were excellent. Jack Grealish, who we know is a great player, created more <laughs> chances than any player has done this season, I believe, in that in that game. Mm-hmm. I and mean, he's he's unbelievably good and the sort of player that if you. Uh, I'd imagine we we see him how other teams see Wilf. If you give him half an inch, he will punish you. But exactly. I'm looking at Villa's performances since the the Liverpool game we talked about earlier, where they won seven two. They've actually lost three out of four home games against Leeds, right, okay. Southampton, uh, Brighton, uh, uh, and mm. the other the other one was a nil nil draw home to Burnley. So actually. I mean, yes, they're still a great team, but th- their home form hasn't been great. So I guess they'll probably be targeting this one as, especially after <laughs> playing a team that's just lost seven nil, um, as a as a, a chance to get their home form back on track. But um, you know, Palace, I mean, with the quality they have, still got a chance. Oh, absolutely! I mean, you look at the, where they are on the table. I think they're maybe three. Of, I think they're four points above us, aren't they? Got like twenty-two points, and you know they're they're a good team, Aston Villa. But they're a good team in the way that Crystal Palace are a good team. You know, they, and then they have their off days, Villa. And it'll just be whoever whoever turns up on the day, I think, can can win this game. I know that's a very obvious thing to say. I think both teams are very well matched. They've they've got Grealish, we've got Wilf. And you know, and we've both got our plus points. And we you know, we've both had bits of roles, we've both had good results this season, we've both had shocking results. We're very evenly matched matched as a team. I just think, you know, a team like that, a team like Villa, you've just got to Stop Grealish! You've got to stop Grealish, and it's Luke who doesn't get a yellow card. Then he's not doing his job. <laughs> it would be a yeah. In fact, in, in, in that respect, it would be a Christmas miracle if Luca does walk off the pitch without a booking. Exactly. <laughs> well, it is Christmas, and you want to get cards at Christmas check as well. So you well, know, true it would enough. be oh, very good. It would very be good. Um, true enough. It's, it's. I think you know. We said earlier. The Villa game is going to be huge in terms of the re- the response to the Liverpool game, and I think the Leicester game as well. We we want to see Palace put in two really positive, um, mm. organised, professional performances, and you know if I can sort of not get too sort of cliched, but we want to see them try. You know, we want to see, the, the second half against Liverpool was was weird, and it was like some of them are sort of checked out. We want to see them really just give their all and try. And I know that's that's really simplistic, and I know that's not how football works really, but. You know, the fans just want to see Palace really respond in a way, I guess. And even if we go up to Villa and we we put in a decent performance and we try and we're on the front foot and we lose 2-1 or something and we do the same against Leicester and we lose, obviously, you know, 
we'll be looking over our shoulder at the relegation zone. But I think Jack, it will at least make us feel like there is fight in this team and there is a response yeah, there. Because and I, I think I think there are the voices in the squad: Gary Cahill, Scott Dan, Jimmy Mack, um, even someone like Christian Benteke. I, I think they'll, they'll there's enough leaders in that dressing room to say this is a brand new game. Let's not worry about it being, you know, a a comparison against Liverpool game, but equally let's, you know, let's put a performance on, let's at least show a bit of grit and, um, you know, roll your socks up as the, as the cliche Mm. would go. But, you know, all I'm hoping for, um, and it would be not the best viewing for the country, um, but a repeat of the boxing day from, from 2013 with a lump up top with about two minutes to go Dwight Gale latches onto it and then scores an absolute screamer I would um, yes I would take I would take that perhaps substitute I don't know substitute Gale for um, for Jordan Ayew and um, you know maybe it's another another boxing day cracker for him but um, it will it will be a tough game but you know I didn't realise their home form had been as poor of that, and, and any team that's losing to Brighton at the moment, they must be dreadful. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, fingers fingers crossed that we um, we do put a performance. But yeah, if we were able to take at least a point away from that game, um, that that would be good, a, yeah. that would Definitely. be a plus. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, I've got to the age now where uh, all I want for Christmas really is socks, um, <laughs> and this year all I want for Christmas is Palace to put in a decent performance at Aston Villa I'll take a point I'll take a decent performance I think you know I think you're talking about decent performances but I don't want to come away from playing um, Aston Villa and Leicester without any points I don't want that <laughs> I don't however well we play it's going to be hard you know, though, mate. but even looking but look, even looking back at the Liverpool game there was a 20-25 minute spell in that first half where we were, we were decent we were good we were good to, and any other team may have you know, we, we would have probably scored against. Or I don't know. We played really well in some of these games. I, but I don't want to. I don't want it to get after these two games and and we look back. We've had three defeats on the trot, yeah. and then we're going to play a team who are rooted at the bottom of the table, who are thinking, "Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's flip it up, Palace, because they they've just lost three on the trot." And you know. And they get their first victory. You know, well, I, I yeah. can see it all now. I can see it all in front of me. I can see it, but and it's not. It's not like I don't want to travel down that road, JD. I they haven't. And, well, as for Sheffield United, they haven't fallen off yet completely. They put in a proper performance yesterday mm. and mm. played with ten men for you know fifty-five minutes, and and will, will certainly worth their point. And you know, perhaps unlucky that Brighton nicked one towards the end, although Brighton did have chances. So Sheffield United, they you know, they haven't given up yet. So you know, no, they we're in a bad. No, no, so if, if we're great. in a bad place, yeah, oh, for them, great. But if we're in a bad place going into that game, then, yeah, you know, it could be that, you know, we are that team uh, that, that Sheffield United might fancy their chances against. But I'm kind uh, of hoping that Sheffield United get that off their back before well, they play. That, yeah. Well, that, yeah. that's that, number one, that. But secondly, I just, it means that we've got to get at least one point out of these next two games. <laughs> so yeah. we're not going in there looking like that. I mean, I, I know that sounds rather negative when we're just leading up to Christmas Day and everything, but you know that's just a. I'm not being negative. I'm, I guess I'm being realistic. Is Agreed, that right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's. So. Uh, I two, think that's, that's two totally tough, fine. Two tough games. Yeah, two tough games. Two very sure. tough games, actually. Well, we'll see what happens. We're we'll back next week after the Leicester game to review both those games. Uh, but in the meantime, chaps, it just leaves me to say Merry Christmas. So, Jack, thank you very much for joining us, and, and have a great Christmas. Thank you very much, JD. Happy Christmas to to you and uh, to everyone listening. If you're uh, enjoying this on your Christmas day, uh, so, en- enjoy your Christmas you day. And 
it might cheer you up but uh, for those that are missing your traditional family rows we hope that we, we have uh, replaced that for you yeah exactly <laughs> and uh, James I hope you and the fam have a great Christmas I uh, will do thank you very much yeah, when was the last do. time you got a palace related Christmas present <laughs> oh goodness gracious me uh, I think I got a calendar a few years ago I think maybe Lombardo was on it so it's quite a few years ago. Wow, okay. <laughs> wow. Vintage. A sexy Lombardo calendar. That, no, that yeah. will sell. Ooh, I don't think it's sexy. It's big, I remember. <laughs> I will. I got a Palace, I got a palace Santa hat one year. Red and blue Santa hat with a Palace logo. I have that somewhere, yeah. Good stuff. Well, anyway, if you get if you're unwrap, unwrapping Palace Tat right now, then uh, do tweet it to us at FYP Fanzine. We'll, we'll, it's become a tradition for us to do that on Christmas Day, so we'll retweet the best and the worst of it. Um, and we hope you have a great Christmas. Uh, we know it's been a tough year this year, but we hope whatever you're doing, whether you're on your own or with family, uh, we hope you have uh, a safe and happy Christmas. And we'll be back after that Leicester game for more FYP action. Patrons will get a post-match pod directly after the Villa game on Boxing Day and after the Leicester game on Monday. Um, and that's it. That's have it. a great Christmas. That's it. Have for... a good Christmas, everyone. Indeed. Happy Christmas, everyone. See you on the other side. Goodbye. Great. Sherwin-Williams during the sweet summer sale June 30th through July 10th and get 30% off paints and stains with prices starting at $31.14. That means 30% off our most popular color family, blue. Psychologists have found it to be soothing and relaxing, which makes it especially great for bedrooms and bathrooms. And of course, get 30% off all of our other colors. Shop the sale online or visit your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Click the banner to learn more. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Sports Social Podcast Network.